0: Are you frustrated with your government contracting journey? Do you feel like there's just something missing in your business, but you just can't put your finger on it? Are you finding enough opportunities? Are you struggling to win the few opportunities you do find? Do you have a plan of attack or a strategy for this market? Would you like somebody to review your current approach? Maybe it's time to consider getting a coach. Our team of coaches have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. We've figured out how to help companies just like you accelerate in this market. If you want to find out if coaching is for you, go to federal-access.com forward slash coaching today and fill out a coaching application. I will personally respond to your application and schedule a time for us to talk about your business. There's no cost for the session. There's no obligation. There's no hard sell or anything like that. What I will guarantee you is I will review your top challenges and give you detailed advice. And if coaching makes sense for you, I'll walk through your options. Visit federal-access.com forward slash govconcoaching today. Coaching today to get started. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now, your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey, everyone. Michael Lejeune here with you today. I also have Josh Frank with me as my co-host. And Josh and I are wrapping up a two-part series talking about the top 20 questions government contractors ask us. And whether it's at a conference or they run into us somewhere, uh, there's a handful of questions that contractors ask. And so for those that didn't catch part one of the series, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that first. Uh, You'll you'll get a whole lot out of that. And, um, you know, if if you aren't familiar with Josh and I and what we're doing on here, you know this is a q and a type of episode that we've put together if you don't know who we are uh i just want you to know that we are both authors and professional speakers we speak at national conferences All over the country often as the featured government SME of the conference Uh, and our clients have won more than two billion dollars in government contracts so we know a few things about how to be successful in this market we want to pass that information on to you today and so my hope for you today is just that you leave the episode with a list of answers to questions that have really just been kind of burning you up and you just you want to figure those out so uh, anything you want to add to that Josh before we get started no, that was a good intro. I'm ready to get started. Good. Awesome. Well, we're going to try to keep this one uh, on on target here on time. We went a little over last time, but I thought it was all really, really good stuff. But uh, we're going to try to stay on time today. We'll see how we do. And uh, we'll just jump right in. So, you know, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, how do I take advantage of my socioeconomic status? Because, you know, people, they get this status and they think money's just going to rain down from the heavens. Like, I've, oh, I got the status now, so I'm going to get all these contracts. And so.
1: Yeah. yeah and, and, and when you're talking status, you're talking uh, A woman owned, service disabled, yeah, etc. cetera. Yeah. All yeah. that stuff. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, how do you take advantage of it? Um, by not focusing on it which sort of goes against uh, what a lot of other people tell you. Um, Don't focus on your status with the government. Don't focus on your status with your teaming partners. Uh, You know, most consultants, uh, most small business centers, uh, most contracting officers will be like, oh, you know, you need to tell us, you know, know, what your status is. Well, you need to look at it from a business perspective because the government doesn't buy because you're woman-owned. Okay, they're not going to buy from you because you're woman owned or you're 8A or you're service disabled or your hub zone. Right. Status is just a a part of an acquisition strategy. And so once they decide to set aside something for your company, your status doesn't matter. Your status doesn't matter. And so you're either going to either differentiate from the competition and communicate your value uh, of why I should buy from you. Or you don't. But you know, taking advantage of your status means you understand from a business perspective that you don't win contracts because of your status. Doesn't matter what anybody else has told you. You don't win contracts because of your status. You win because you're good at what you do and you're able to communicate the value of what you do.
0: Yeah. No, that that's perfect. And I always tell people it, it makes it easier for them to purchase from you once they found out they you know they not only like you but they love the work you're doing and that makes it easier and there are things that get set aside for any of those statuses and that helps you eliminate a lot of the competition at that point but just to get to that point takes so much more effort so you know how do you use the status you do the work up front yeah you you do the hard work up front to, to make it easy on the contracting officer to pull the trigger once they know this is the service or the thing they need or want. So, do the hard work. So, another question we get, and we kind of introduced uh, Dibs in the last episode. A lot of people don't know about Dibs, but it's the, it's DLA's Internet Bid Board System. It's where they purchase a lot of products and stuff like that. So, there are, there are people who see Dibs and think, hey, I sell products, Dibs looks fairly easy uh, you know, is this as simple as bidding and shipping the product? You know, is it is it kind of like Amazon or eBay where where I'm just I see this and I just boom it just happens.
1: Yeah, I would say Amazon and eBay is probably easier than Dibs. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least from the perspective of, of of shipping, you know, registering in Dibs is easy. Okay, bidding is easy uh, at least once you know how to complete a bid. And uh, and if you're a federal access member there's step-by-step instructions on how to how to bid uh, opportunities and dips um, but but if you don't understand shipping codes and you know and you don't know how to properly label your shipment, you can ship product and it'll be stuck in limbo for six to nine months. Uh, and when I say it's it's stuck for six to nine months, Uh, One company that that we recently spoke to had $60,000 tied up for nine months. Nine months. I I mean, the shipment came in. It didn't have the right labeling on it. And the government simply put it in a corner of the warehouse because they just don't have time to look at it. And so, you know, that company three months later calls up and goes, hey, uh, I'm looking in the wide area workflow. Uh, I, I'm, it, I'm trying to do my invoicing but it still set, doesn't say it's been accepted and somebody goes well, I don't know where your shipment is uh, it, we show it having it arrive but we, we, eventually they found it in a corner and they said oh yeah you didn't label it properly We're, we told you in, in the solicitation you got to label it properly and they said you have two choices we can label it for you correctly uh, and if it is it will cost you $2,000 which was the entire margin, okay, uh, even more than the margin. They would have lost uh, business. Um, and then the second was, or you coordinate to have your shipment return to your warehouse, you relabel it, and you reship it. And again, that's a loss. This company chose to have the government relabel. They took a loss on the order. They took a loss because they realized there was no way they could bring, ship it and bring it back and then and and you know and send it back to them. So labels and RFID, right? Uh, labels and RFID. You need the machines to print those labels, right? It's not a question of putting a a label into your printer in the office and and you know here's the address that it's going to. No, you've got to have multiple labels. Sometimes it's for each item, and that means each item has to be in a bag. Uh, but again, you have to understand shipping codes, right? The, the websites that, that help you identify that. And if you ship wrong, you're going to lose money. So the government, again, the government will recommend to fix it. Um, so yeah, Dibs is easy, but it's going to create total havoc for your company. If you don't understand the labeling and the shipping requirements. So, yes, it is easy to bid, but you had best have your shipping system in place before you start bidding.
0: Yeah. You know, really, really good points there. You know, what I tell people is when you look at a government bid, it is not okay like it is in the commercial world. A lot of times it's not okay to go. I don't understand these six or eight lines, so I'm just going to skip that and not worry about it. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, right, I, I don't right. understand what that code is or, you know, I understand these three pieces. And so that's really the important part, the price and where it's going and are they going to accept my price? But then, you know, they don't understand that you have to pay the shipping <laughs> or, right. or whatever the code may be that you're talking about. And so if you don't see something on there or you don't understand something, the biggest mistake you can make is just skipping it. Like, you have to ask. <laughs>
1: You have to do the research. Yeah. And one alibi on this, if you don't know where to start, if you're a member of federal access, we give it all to you. But if you're not a member of FA and you don't want to join for whatever reason, silly reason I might add, um, and you find a company, a, a colleague at a company that does dibs work and make a trip to their office and ask them, Hey, as a favor, would you explain to me how your shipping works? And just educate yourself, mm-hmm. but but don't make the mistake of shipping with all the wrong labeling, and then finding out you're actually going to lose money because the government's going to ding you for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and you just you just can't afford to make those kind of mistakes, and so and the government doesn't appreciate that. Imagine that. They don't appreciate companies <laughs> that don't know how to use their system and don't read their codes. So Yeah, think, darn government. I'll think, tell
1: you. think about
0: that, you know. <laughs> so uh, another question we get asked all the time is about past performance. People are always curious how they're going to build past performance, what they need to do. And they often have a misperception about what could be past performance that they don't know they already have. So <laughs> most people will come to us and say we've only been a subcontractor so how do i get past performance
1: yeah good question and and let me let's back up what what if you are brand new all right again i, I love catering to our smaller uh clients and members and our, and our smaller uh business uh, listeners what if you just started a company and you literally have no contracts to your name what do you do for past performance well, yes, you need to get past performance, and, and subcontracting is a great way to do it. But recognize, you can also use your individual experience and expertise from your last company or companies as part of your past performance. That's what a lot of companies do. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot, especially a lot of uh, entrepreneurs uh, that are starting businesses. They will talk about whether website capability statement in their proposals. You know, it's not that the company has done this, you know, the senior executives, uh, the senior management of the company uh, recently was on this project and did this and X and Y and Z. So that's number one. Uh, More specific to the question you just asked me, if I recall correctly, you know, as a sub, how do we get past performance? Remember that subcontracts are past performance. You can use your past, you can use, if you were a subcontractor to a prime, whatever work you had, you can use that as your own prime past performance, right? Yep. Um, and again, you can use it in, in proposals and uh, wherever you're priming. So yeah.
0: And I think that's just a really good reminder for folks because so many folks out there don't think that that's viable past performance. They think well I have to be the prime. No, uh, and it's absolutely not. Just yeah. not the case. They don't think about their past work performance or different things they've done like you said or the executives people on the team and they don't they just don't think about that stuff. So it's a really good reminder for a lot of folks. So this this next question that we get all the time is, you know, there's just, there's too much information as, as my daughter would say, you know, you know, holy insert swear word is how she says it. Uh, you know, you know, there's so much. I don't even know where to begin. You know, there, there's so much information. It's information overload on what to do, how to do it. You
1: know, you, what do you say yeah, to that? Well, and I, 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 we hear, we hear this obviously more from smaller businesses than the mid or large tier. Um, I would say like, like any market or industry, there's going to be tens of thousands of resources out there. I mean, if if you Google government sales, uh, I think, I don't know how many millions of hits you get. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and even if you don't rely just on Google uh, and you go to a conference, you know, you'll hear one thing and then you go to a small business office, you hear the opposite. Uh, You go to a small business center and you hear something else. it's, there's just so much information, and, and I think the is better. I think it's better to say, you know, uh, you know, not just where you get the information, but how do you validate what's right? How, how do you know what's good? Uh, you know, so that when you're developing your strategies as a company, you, you freaking know you're doing the right things. So in general, uh, I would say companies are in this position of, of oh, there's too much information. When you need someone to help you focus, I mean, it, it's often, I often say it's a case of not seeing the force through the trees. Right. Right. Yeah, there's so much information, but you just can't make heads or tails of it. Uh, and, and that could be with prospecting. It could have to do with teaming, writing proposals, uh, meeting with government reps. It, it can be anything, right? Um, it's just, you got to see the force through the trees. Now, in terms of recommendations, uh, so now I've given this problem, but if I were to recommend solutions, um, you know, it would be more focused on the strategies of of how to do it. Uh, So, you know, it's all useless information. And the only way you're going to know if you if it's a waste of time is to ask someone that's already wasted time doing it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for yeah. the most part. Um, you know, so if you need help, uh, again, uh, you know, I, we talk about our, uh, our federal access members. Look, you guys, you know exactly where to focus. You know exactly what techniques and strategies are bogus and which ones work. But if you're not a federal access member, then then either just give us a call, uh, you know, give ours some federal call or, or, uh, or, or go talk to your colleagues,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and educate yourself. Right. Uh, that'd, that'd be my recommendation. And
0: you'll you'll get pointed in the right direction. And you know, for for some people, you know, it's it's going to a PTAC, it's going to some other you know mentoring service that's out there, and, and kind of getting a little bit of direction. But understand, there there's a point where that has to stop, and you kind of I always say you have to you have to grow up, and you have to move into paid services. You know, you can start off with a free mentor. Or somebody kind of giving you that guide and walking through that, but at some point that stops, and you got to grow up, and you got to pay for the help for somebody to guide you. It's it's worth it when it's the right people because the the thing that a lot of people, when I see they're asking this question, we're like they're in information overload, and that's really
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's it's a common question they have all the time. So what happens when you're in information overload? You often get stuck and do nothing, or you do the same things that you're comfortable with. You're there because you don't understand the life cycle of a contract and the life cycle of your business. And so you need somebody to be able to, like you said, take a step back and say, this is what stage you're in. So this is where you need to focus. This is what's important to you right here, right now for the next month or two or three to get you in position to start bidding on contracts or you know whatever it may be you need that person and again sometimes it's a free person sometimes it's a paid person it just depends on where you're at but um but you need that person to be able to point that out and like you said all that information is useless if you're in the wrong stage consuming the wrong information if i'm in stage one of my life cycle but i'm i'm consuming stage six information it's useless I need, I need to be consuming the right information and getting the right instruction for the stage I'm in. And that's what's, that's what's yeah. really, really important. Because when you get to stage six, you're going to really want stage six info. <laughs> you just <laughs> you just happen to be in stage one. Right, so, right. so understand where you are is, is a big part of that. So another question we get asked all the time. I think this is probably one of our most popular. In fact, this, these last handful probably wind up being like the most popular questions we get asked. But this one I hear it all the time is, why can't I get primes to call me back
1: <laughs> yeah this comes to, this comes down to business uh, business acumen and business maturity uh, I, what's really funny is and it wasn't planned this way obviously but uh, we just had this question again this morning uh, one of our FA members uh, said you know what it's like crickets I can't get anybody to call me back and you know wh- when we're when we're speaking nationally uh, at, at various events, or even in our webinars, or even in our, uh, our other resources. We say, if you can't get a prime to call you back, it's for one and only one reason. You haven't convinced them that you're going to make them more competitive. That's it. Yeah. You, you, you know, you're either going to make them more competitive, perceptually, or you're not. Uh, because, it, Mike, it's not about you. It's not about you. They don't care about your company, what do they care about?
0: They care about themselves.
1: They care about themselves. They care about making yeah. money, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you know, you're just one more company talking about what you sell. Yeah.
0: And Abs- not the Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and not the so and it's not the solutions that you provide, right? Or not the value. And it ends up most companies are begging. Right? Mm-hmm. Begging for work. Um you know, I would say when you when you talk to a potential teaming partner, uh, you're either going to convince them that you'll make them more competitive or you won't. Again, it doesn't matter how nice they are. It doesn't matter if your best friend works over there. At the end of the day, you're either making them more money or you're not, and that's what they care about. So uh, just a couple of, of thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think – I think that's perfect, and I like how you you clarified that because I was always thinking about it. I'm like, I just want to clarify that when we're talking about primes, if you're again, if you're new to the government, these are these are potential teaming partners. That's who we're talking about here. Is I can't get the prime potential teaming partners to call me back. And so, as you said, mm-hmm. you know, you're not conveying to them how you're going to make them more competitive. So, so why don't we kind of do an offshoot of that one and say, how do you convey <clears throat> to them that you're going to make them more competitive?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. So uh, a couple of things, one, your past performance, right? Uh, are, do you have past performance in somewhere in the government where you know that that, that company, that prime, that potential teaming partner is trying to, to make more work because if, if you know they don't currently have any work with, uh, you know, the uh, uh, we'll call FEMA, right? You know, they don't have any work with FEMA, but you have currently an active contract with FEMA, right? Under DHS, they're much more likely to want to talk with you and, and work together because that's one of their targets, right? That's one. Uh, there's no getting around perceived maturity. You know, you either sound like, you know, what you're talking about or you don't. Um, you know, if they say, Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're working on this may talk and you go, what's a may talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well then you, you know, it's a multiple award task order contract, but you know, if if you don't speak the lingo, that's going to be a challenge. Now for companies that are new to the federal space, if you don't have a business developer, uh, that it comes from government uh, and, and knows government ease and, and can speak the language then yeah you got a learning curve um, obviously there's a lot of educational resources out there to help you you know accelerate that uh, I keep saying it time and again federal access is one of them but uh, but perceived maturity is obviously an issue make sure you're uh, that, which makes the next point, Make you make it about them. It's not about you, right? It's not about who you are and what you sell and what your socioeconomic status is. It's about them. It's what they need. It's what they're looking for. That means you're asking the right questions so that you know you're filling one of their gaps. Um, you're proactive. You know, that's another point. You're proactive. You're not simply calling when you need something. You're actually offering them opportunities. You know, if you're a small business or or even if you're woman-owned, you find a set-aside. I don't care if you can do 100% of the work. Offer 10% to uh, to a company that you're trying to build a relationship with. Um, uh, probably the biggest one, this is the footstopper, Mike, would be you've spoken to the government about a specific opportunity. You know, most, most larger primes uh, everybody's out begging to be on their team. If you're the one that says, hey, by the way, I spoke with the government, I've started collecting intelligence, and I think we can make your team more competitive, they're calling you back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Hands down, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's a, a pricing. A lot of people would think that I, I, I would mention pricing, but not from a positive angle. Um, you're, for the most part, pricing is not an issue. Of why they're not calling you back uh, it's all the other pieces
0: yeah no great great stuff there and and I, and I love I love how you talk about you know going and doing the work and you know getting that information and going back to them I, I think that's just so underrated Here, here's what I see that happens for most people something pops up in FBO which we've talked about extensively here if, you know and that's the first time you saw it so this is this is already starting off on a bad foot but that's the first place you saw it as FBO you see that and you go, oh, I bet SAIC or Lockheed Martin or insert government contractor right would be great for this because I met this guy at a networking event the other day, <laughs> and that's going to be awesome. So I'm right. going to call up Tom and say, hey, I know we've never worked together. I don't know crap about this opportunity, but I just saw it <laughs> on FBO, and I think it would be great. And Tom doesn't even work on that kind of stuff, right? Right. Like you're you're coming in there, you haven't talked to the government. It's literally hit FBO. You spent ten seconds reading it and you're calling Tom. And you ha- and you're like, Yep, I, I think we would be great as teaming partners instead of what you said, you know, like calling the government, getting some intelligence and calling and just saying, Hey, I think we can make you really competitive. You should call us back. Here's why. You know, we've been talking to the mm-hmm. government. I think we can make you really competitive. Obviously, I'm making it oversimplifying it there, but just doing some of that hard work and using some of those keywords there. The, the the two key phrases, we've been talking to the government and we think we can make you very competitive on this. Yep. You know, if you just use those and screw up everything else you say, <laughs> I think you're going to get a conversation or a sit down. Right. Right. You know, those those will be very, very helpful. So so really, really good point. So so we, we talked about the teaming partners, the prime that won't call you back. So the next question that people ask is, well so I finally got the prime to call me back, but I can't get the contracting officers to call me
1: back. They won't answer the phone. <laughs> it doesn't matter what conference, it doesn't matter what training event, doesn't matter what workshop. That is the most common, absolutely most common question you will ever hear at any time in this market. You know, I can't get a hold of the contracting officer. You know, you've got a, there's a couple angles to this that I'd I'd ask our listeners to understand. You know, go back 15 years, okay? (laughs) 15 years ago, uh, 15, 20 years ago. Look at appropriations, right? Not 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 the non-appropriated funds, but appropriated funds, and, and your non-appropriated are, are your entitlements, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, but for your appropriations, um, you know, it was it was about 200, 250 billion dollars, right? For DoD, I'll use DoD as an example. DoD had you know 200, 250 billion in in appropriations. And jump forward to current day and it's five to 600 billion, right? It's more than doubled. Well, you would think that the government increases its uh, acquisition workforce, its contracting officers and its, its contracting specialists. Oh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever uh, you had, you know, about a hundred thousand contracting professionals, right? Today, you have somewhere around 30,000. So you've increased by more than twofold, right? Uh, the number of appropriated funds uh, and IE uh, acquisitions, yet the contracting workforce has dropped by, my God, over over 66%, almost 70%. So the answer to your question, that's the short answer, uh, the, the long part of the short answer. And the short answer is they're just really busy now. There is supposed to be a partnership between government and industry, right? Uh, That—that's a completely separate podcast. Um, I, in fact, I'm—I'm I'm thinking about writing an article on this, uh, but that has failed. Uh, the relationship uh, that is supposed to be between government and industry it has failed. Uh, but back to our—sorry, I went off on a tangent on you. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, they're just really busy. There are fears of protest. Right now, you know, 20 years ago, it was not common for most of the mid-tier and large companies to uh, to protest everything under the sun. Nowadays, it doesn't matter if you know a lot of companies go. I- it doesn't matter why we lost. If we lose, we protest. I don't care if we have good grounds to protest. Mm-hmm. We protest. Mm-hmm. We protest. We protest. We protest. And so if you look at the, uh, uh, the uh, capture cycle for any given company, you know, it's, you know, the business development and the execution and the, you know, or it's the proposal, submit proposal, uh, you know, goes to source selection and it goes to win or loss. Well, now there's a standard process of, oh, it's loss. All right. We need to protest. That's, it, it takes so much time that contracting officers are afraid of it now. And they just don't, they've gone all the way to the far end. I, I'm not talking to contractors. I, I'm just not talking to them because one of them's going to say, oh, I talked to him and I gave him preferential treatment. He got information I didn't get. You need to recompete it. So fear of protest. Um, uh, if I re- There's a couple of recommendations here. One, and I, I, and I use this all the time. Uh, A a lot of government installations, buildings, whether it's DOD or federal agencies, when they build the buildings, all the phone lines are sequential, right? So if the last four are, you know, one, two, three, four, dial one, two, three, three, or one, two, three, five. And odds are you'll get somebody in the office next door and and you can sort of, you uh, you know, make your way into who you're trying to talk to. Have the small business office send a referral email for you. That's another example. Um, if you have the contact info for another CEO in that office, maybe you found it on FedBizOps. Um, call them and just ask to be forwarded to the person you're trying to reach. Uh, but, but here's the kicker, Mike. Once you get them on the phone, don't try to sell to them. Focus on collecting information and intelligence. And if you don't do that, it doesn't matter who you call. It doesn't matter who you get through to. It's going to be a waste of your effort.
0: Right. No, absolutely. I mean, really, really good suggestion there. You know, uh, we always talk about and and joke with our clients about using the email that, hey, I'm not a stalker. I'm not trying to stalk you, but hey, I've tried to call you a couple (laughs) of times and haven't reached you. And, you know, that little bit of humor goes a long way. You know, it, it, it absolutely does. So dropping an email, one of the biggest things I can say is don't give up. You know, but yeah. also don't be a pest. You know, right. don't don't call four times a week. Call every other week. Right. You know, something like that. But don't give up. You know, because they again, they're busy. They've got their own life. They've got their own priorities that they're focused on. Another trick that I've I've seen that works really well, and I think this is one of those it, it puts a little fear into them, and I think maybe that's why it works so well. Is you call and you leave a message and you follow it up with an email that says hey, Bob, I'm going to be near you on the week of the third and the fifth. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd love to stop by and just shake your hand, look you in the eye and learn a little bit more about what you're doing. And just the fear that you're going to walk in the door, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, unannounced like that is enough usually for somebody to call back and say, oh, we're not going to be here or, hey, that's a really bad week for me. And boom, there's your opportunity to have a quick conversation, like you said, and it's uh, always good to say I'm not calling about anything in acquisition. I just want to chat about X, Y, Z or whatever. Maybe you are following up on something, you know, whatever it is. But but just something simple like that. Have mixing up your reasons for calling. Even you know, if you call about, hey, this is Josh again over at RSM. Hadn't heard from you. I was just leaving <laughs> you. You know, this is message seventeen. I'm going to call next week with the exact same thing. There's a there's a chance. They're going to get annoyed by that so so having different reasons to call them is a great strategy as well you know and the other thing is you know, being clear about what you do you know i had a guy i uh, was a brand new fa member and he just talked to me the other day and he said everybody puts us in this box i don't understand how i got in this box but everybody thinks that i only do uh databases for law enforcement to track like drugs and cartels and this weird stuff. And I said, well, why don't you just give me your pitch? Give me your pitch. Tell me what you do. And he goes, okay, well, when I'm out at a networking event, I go up to people and say, Hey, you know, this is, I'm going to say Bob. You know, just give him his name is Bob. I'm Bob, and, uh, and we've done this really great work for drug and law enforcement where we've helped them do, build these databases that help track, you know, this, that, you know, right. the other about these cartels and different stuff and sort of stuff. And I said, So is that what you do? And he goes, No, that's not at all what we do. I said, well, What do you do? Oh, we, well, we do build databases but we we can work with anybody under the sun we help them solve difficult problems they have with their data i'm like well why don't you tell people that because i i know why i just think you're a law enforcement guy because you just told me you work with law enforcement so if people don't understand what you do and they have put you in a box because you're not clear on the value you provide that's a good reason why a contracting officer is not going to call you back they don't think you're anywhere remotely relevant to what they do so you know that's a great little thing to just sit well down said. with somebody. Yeah. Thank you to sit down with somebody and say, "Hey, let me practice my pitch because no one's biting. Maybe maybe I'm backing myself or painting myself into this corner. You know that's yep. a, that's a very yeah, good common point. reason. You you backed yourself in a corner, and you're talking to you're trying to talk to the White House about how you help with you know um, you know drug cartels. <laughs> you know right. and you're like I don't know you're talking to the wrong department. I'm just not going to call them back. You know. it it, it happens. So anyway, I wanted to throw that out there as a good example. You know, another question we get, and again, this is one where we went through a period of, of time at RSM where it seemed like everyone who called us was in this bucket. I was like, I don't know why we're attracting these people, but it was people <laughs> who had a brand new product or service. No one had ever heard of it before. It was revolutionary, right? It solved a problem the government didn't even know they had, and they were saying, how do I sell this to the government?
1: Yeah, most likely you don't. <laughs> I mean, and in, in, in a nutshell, most likely you don't. Uh, you know, The, the government's very risk adverse. We've said that many times uh you know and your first of all your sales cycle yeah you're probably talking 24 36 months right yep. uh it, and it 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 really there are a couple exceptions it really doesn't matter though what it is uh if the government doesn't currently use it today no matter how great it is, it's 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 a very hard sell. Uh, I would say try getting onto an SBIR or an STTR. Uh, it's small business innovation research or, or technology transfer contracts. And and uh, y- you can find out more. You can just Google SBIR and STTR. Um, but that's those programs are like designed for for new products, uh, new cutting edge kinds of stuff. You know if it's a product, uh, and it's sort of similar to other products that like, let's say DLA sells, uh, you have to do an approval request. There's a process for getting a product approved by, uh, by, uh, DOD, uh, by DLA. And, and again, there's, uh, it's, it's not easy or quick, but, but there's a process. Uh, bottom line, it's just, it's just as difficult, if not more so, to introduce new products to the government, right? And, and so the uh, the I told you there were a couple exceptions. Unless it's a part of national defense, uh, you know, such as cybersecurity, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be real hard to get a new product or service uh, in the federal space. It's not impossible, but you have to set expectations that your your sales cycle is going to be a couple of years, most likely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that's the that's the number one takeaway. It's not impossible. You just have to be able to withstand the two, three, four years it's going to take. And it, it's going to take grassroots support a lot of times. It's going to take, you know, whether it's the warfighter or the end user, whatever you want to call them in that situation, it's going to take them saying, wow, we need this and pushing that up. While you're working the top down, <laughs> it's going to – it is – not easy.
1: Yeah and, yeah, and I'm going to take something you just said, Mike. Uh, gra- you, you used the word grassroots. Um, now, uh, there are a lot of folks in government, uh, and, and we do have folks in government that, that listen to Game Changers uh, just to better understand the contractor side. Uh, there is another recommendation, which is you can pull a congressional. You know, you can get with your senator, your congressman, and go, hey, look, I this product can – Save lives. This product can save money. This product is revolutionary. Whatever it may be, and what'll happen is, um, again, it's a congressional. It's it's people use their congressmen, senators for all kinds of stuff. But your 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 congressman or senator, someone on their staff, will reach out to the the Department of Defense or reach out to whichever federal agency and say, hey, I saw this. I think this is really great. Um, I want you guys to take a look at it. And look, government has no, DOD or the agencies have no choice at that point. They're going to have to stick somebody on it. Now, remember, for the most part, government doesn't like congressionals, right? It just takes time away from their daily requirements. But it will get somebody to look at, if you can convince one of your representatives or senators, to To do a congressional and and push it uh, to DoD, you, the DoD is going to look at it. But your product better really provide the value. There it's that word again, value. Mm-hmm. You got to know the value. Don't tell me what your new product or service does. What value does it provide? You're not going to convince your uh, your representatives to to push it for you without the value, and DoD will. Without value, they'll look at it. They'll go back to the senator or congressman and go, "Hey, uh, yeah, we looked at it. Uh, we have no need right now." So, just FYI, grassroots—you can do a congressional to try to get it looked at, but uh, but you better understand your value before you do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the the final point I'll make on that
0: is, again, it, it comes down to understanding. Just because it's the best thing that you've ever done doesn't mean it's all that important to the government. I, I, <laughs>
1: right
0: I, I, know, I know it's probably your baby. You've spent time doing research, whatever, but understand the importance of it. I'll, I'll, go, I'll use the warfighter for the moment. Let's say you've developed the new MREs that just, they taste 10% better. Okay? Just 10% better improvement on the taste. Well, where on the priority list is that for the government? Probably nowhere. You know, even if it's 100% in taste better, probably nowhere. Now, what if you just invented a new armor that is lightweight as a T-shirt, but it can reflect the 50 cal? Okay, that, <laughs> you know, that is high importance,
1: right? Uh, currently, that's not possible. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but wouldn't it be cool? So maybe we should work on that. But, you know, that that's the spectrum. You know, you, we do have people that are doing things that it seems so important to them that they're like, yeah, but all the benefits of the warfighter because of this 10% increase in taste. Uh, yeah. But this one actually saves lives because it bounces bullets off like a
1: tank. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. So, all right. So we're going to, we're going to keep going down this rabbit hole one more time. I, I we're because th- this is all really good stuff, especially for those, uh, those true entrepreneurs out there. And, uh, you know, I, I would say, even if you have a product that is cutting edge, if there's another product out there, it can't do what your product can do, but it, but another product can achieve the same result. That's a big thing with smaller companies. You know, I've created this new widget. It is really no other widget can do what we can do. There's none, and it's true. It's a true statement. Nothing else compares. But if this other company has a product that is similar but doesn't do the same stuff, but the government, the client, the user gets the exact same results, the government's never going to buy what you sell. Mm -hmm. So very important that you have good, good expectations.
0: Yeah. It, it, it is a lot of times it's about expectations. So, so anyway, I, I think we beat that one pretty good. Just but, a little uh, bit, but yeah, you know, there there are so many companies that come to us and say, "I've got this new great thing," and that's always where I'm like, "Oh man, I'm about to break their heart," you know, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the government's risk averse, as you said. So, so let's let's move on. One of the questions we get asked all the time where do I find strong teaming partners? Because again, I can go look in FPDS. I can go look here. I can go to conferences, but what are, what are the right choices here? Where do I find the best ones?
1: Yeah. And this really goes back to uh, the first half of, of this podcast, right? Uh, You know, part one, we're in part two now um, where we, we talked about teaming uh, fairly extensively. So let's first define what a strong partner is, okay? It's a company that is stronger than yours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah, there you that's go. about, I, what's a strong teaming partner? They have more past performance than you. They have access to contract vehicles you don't have. Yeah. They have strong sales. They'll make you competitive, right? They will make you competitive. Um, if you're new to the market, right, again, I'm going to speak to, uh, I, I think about 60% of our listeners are on the smaller business side. Um, You know, if you're new to the market, it's not another company that is new to the market, right? Which is very common for smaller companies. Don't simply team with another company because they're your friends with the owner Mm -hmm. or you met them at a conference and they wanted to talk to you, right? So they've got to be stronger than you. You need to be able to learn from them. Uh, Use FPDS, USA Spending, uh, to find some of these companies Go to conferences and events. Make sure you're focusing on companies that are stronger than you, obviously. And and my final point would be it it takes time to build these relationships, right? You can't find a strong teaming partner in a matter of minutes, okay? You can find a potential teaming partner in a matter matter of minutes, Mm -hmm. but you can't find a strong one. It takes weeks or months to build a relationship that will provide that future financial value.
0: Yeah. No. Very well said. And you know, I, I'll I'll close on on that one with just saying, I'm going to be the old school guy today, and just say, pick up the phone, pick up the phone, call the contracting officers, pick up the phone, call the small business office. Hey, who do you know that would make a good teaming partner? Who who does this or that? You know, look at the skills that that you don't have that would really make you competitive. And look for those people because a lot of those folks will just tell you, hey, we really like working with these two, three companies. We really love working with them. You know, like you said, even in FPDS, you'll be able to see, wow, they must really like working with these five companies because that's they buy a lot from them. So odds are they're going to make you competitive. You know, mm-hmm. now, the thing is, if they buy a lot from those companies because they like those companies and they trust those companies – you're going to have to convince them that you're going to make them even more competitive because they're already getting business. You know? That's right. So, so the thing is, how can you make them competitive with other companies and other agencies so they pull you back in and do work here? But but anyway, really good stuff on that one. Here's another question we get asked a lot. I've been bidding, but I'm losing to bids with prices I can't match or get from the manufacturer. You know, it's it's pricing based losing here.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, this came up uh, for, for all of our listeners that are, are veteran-owned or service-disabled veteran-owned that attended the National Veterans Small Business Engagement, right, the big veterans conference uh, this past fall. Uh, Tom Laney, who was uh, who's the uh, you know, director of small business for the VA, you know, he had a, a session. Uh, it, w- it was an open panel. And there were several companies that were standing up and talking about how unfair it was that, you know, they just couldn't, their pricing wasn't competitive. And there were a lot of people in the audience that were looking at those companies thinking, that's not our problem. That's your problem, okay? Right. Uh, there's nothing the government can do about you not getting good pricing from your manufacturers. So that, that's my preface to the answer. I, I, You know, for product sales, if you don't have a strong relationship with your manufacturers, or even the agencies you're trying to, to sell to, you're not gonna be trusted. You know, for service sales, your wrap rate, or, or known as your fully burdened rate, right? Your your wrap rate is highly dependent on your overhead, right? Your GNA, your expenses. Um, and for product companies, you may not simp- you may simply not be getting the pricing that you need from the manufacturers. And, and there's not much you can do but negotiate on this, Mike. Um, other companies may be getting preferred pricing from the manufacturer. Why? Because of the volume that they sell. That's how the world works, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The the companies, the, the, we'll call them distributors, the resellers, the ones that get the best pricing, they're the ones that are selling a lot of the product. So, of course, they're going to be getting discounts, right? Right. <laughs> but if you're if your manufacturer pricing at the pricing you're getting, you know, is 10, 20 percent higher than what the competition's getting. You've got no room for margin. Right. You know, right. And, and there's really not much you can do other than convince the manufacturer to give you better pricing. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, back on the service side, as I mentioned before you need to look at your direct and indirect and fixed and variable costs. Because if you're not running lean as a company, then your pricing is higher than the competition. And even if you bring your pricing down, you know your margins are going to be so slim, if, if non-existent, in order to compete with other companies. And so you've got to really, so if you have a, Problem with your pricing? Nine times out of ten, you have a, a problem with your expenses as a uh, for a, a company as a whole. Yeah, and
0: that, and that is really the bottom line. Whether it's yeah. product or services, yeah. you've got a product a problem with expenses. You know, when it comes to products on that side of it, you know, you mentioned negotiations, and people think, well, you can't. And you mentioned volume. You know back at one of the companies we met at one of the things that I did was I went to Microsoft of all people which I was told for years you cannot negotiate with Microsoft and I told Microsoft hey we've been doing X number of millions of dollars but this year here's my forecast next year here's my forecast can I get a reduction in this if we hit our targets. And they were like, we'll do you one better. We believe you're going to hit your targets. So the moment you cross last year's revenue, we're going to drop the price. And it wound up being 80 percent, an 80 percent discount in our cost because we guaranteed them a huge volume the next year's moving forward. You know, this is again, it's Microsoft. It's a company that people would say never negotiates. And we negotiated with Microsoft for a huge discount on the service side. I see this happen a lot of times where people go in and they give the absolute bare bones price on year one to win the contract. But when when the compete comes up, they haven't factored in, you know, again, service. So their staff involved, they haven't factored in raises. They haven't factored in bonuses. They haven't factored in what's going to happen. And they go to do the math and they go, oh, we're, we're going to have to jack up our rates a lot because we haven't factored that in. We only factored in year one in the way we were going to do this. And so what do you have to do at that point? You either have to bid with a new employee that they don't know and don't like, <laughs> or you have to jack up your rates because you haven't thought through your process. Again, it goes to expenses, but it goes through thinking through your process of how you're going to step through on a three-year, five-year term to to get your rates where they need to be because again you're just not wrapping or you're not putting that into your business process you know mm-hmm. we, we've got to we've got to think about the growth and yes it's smarter to not win that contract than to lose money on it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so so thinking through those things so but like you said it all boils down to where you're where are your expenses where are they out of whack so so let's wrap up with this final question here which i know i've said this and Every time I see one of our questions, I'm like, this has got to be the most popular question. They're they're all really, really close. What's the best bid matching contract contract management systems out there? Because everybody (laughs) under the sun, they do. First of all. Yeah, I know you're going to talk about this not being a crutch. Everybody wants to rely on it as a crutch. So they're like, I don't care what it costs. I just want to know what's the best one so we can use it. So, so what are your <laughs> thoughts on bin matching?
1: So first of all, for our listeners, uh, before we recorded this podcast, Mike told me, he goes, hey, listen, uh, I'm throwing in a question at the end. Uh, I'm adding one. And I said, what are you adding? He goes, I'm going to surprise you. And uh, I should have known better. Uh, because this is, uh, this is the hot potato, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is a hot potato and it's a, it's a political hot potato. Um, so yeah. All right. So uh, there's a couple of points here. What's the best bid matching system? Uh, look briefly, you know, if you don't, uh, we've explained it once already, but a bid matching system is a system that helps you identify, uh, you know, opportunities and past opportunities, um, maybe uh, potential teaming partners and and help you with, pr- you know, some pricing info. Um, and there are thousands of bid matching systems out there. Uh, the 800-pound Gorilla, uh, and I will name them, they're Deltac. Uh, uh, they actually just uh, went through a merger and acquisition and they acquired Onvia. You know, so all the 800-pound Gorilla ones out there are pretty much one company now. Uh, But then you've got a whole bunch of other companies, right? Uh, And there are a ton of really average. uh, And there's a couple of really good ones in the middle. And those are normally the ones we recommend. But as you said, Mike, you can't use them as a crutch, right? You cannot use them as a crutch. They are not a replacement for strong business development and sales activities. Uh, In general, they all pull data from the same systems, there's exceptions. If you are a logistics company um, or you do logistical type stuff, there are bid matching systems that are just for logistical companies, right, or product companies. Uh, uh, but for the most part, they all pull the same data, you yeah? whether it's uh, FPDS, uh, DIBs. I mean, some systems pull from a couple hundred government systems. Now, all that being said, all that being said, you know, what's the best bid matching system? RSM Federal, uh, we're about to sign an agreement uh, for a strategic alliance with a data analytics firm that I think will become the strongest in the industry. I don't say that lightly for anyone that knows me. Um, You know, I just don't speak like that about other companies, and I rarely push one solution over another. Uh, I would say once the press release goes out, I'll be able to discuss this in more detail uh, I truly believe that this company is going to uh, take a massive chunk of market share away from Dell Tech. Uh, seriously, I, I, I mean, I've been talking with this company for, uh, for, for a couple of months now. So, anyway, stay tuned. Uh, and if any of our listeners want to know the name of this company and its solution before a press release, before we actually go to market with this, uh, with this alliance, uh, just give us a call. Uh, I don't have a problem telling people on the phone. I'm just not going to go public with it in a in a venue like this until uh, both companies have uh, gone to press. Yeah.
0: And and like I said, you know, there there's so many out there. The the one thing that I usually say to people is the reason there's so many is because this is the easy part. Find finding the information right. and sorting the data is is the easy part. Figuring out how to actually win the contract. That's the difficult part. That's why there aren't that many yeah. solutions that do that. Um, I would say there's, there's none out there except for federal access that, that really show you how to do that stuff. Uh, but even then, you know, you still, you still need to be able to ask questions to people and, and sort through <laughs> some of this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, it,
1: it, yeah. And let, let me, let me tag on top of that. And again, you hit probably one of the most important points if, if 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 you use a bid matching system, right? Uh, you, you you may have a free one from the PTEC, you may pay for one from some other company. Those systems are like one percent of your time, right? So if you look at what you do in a given week and a hundred percent of your time is focused on doing all these pieces, one percent, and that's it, should be your bid matching system. Because as you said, all those activities you know, capture activities and sales activities and marketing and teaming, what have you. That's where your time should be focused. Point two, to close up on my side, um, I agree with you. There are no bid matching systems out there that truly help you sell to the government. They are business intelligence and information systems. Federal access is not one of those systems. Federal access is that other 99% of once you've identified an opportunity in a bid matching system, how do you engage it and how mm-hmm. do you win it? Mm-hmm. That's federal access. So I just want to make sure since we were talking F.A. and bid matching in the same yeah,
0: same sentence
1: that. Yep. that we don't confuse. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, it, it really some people would say just from even listening to that segment that we're against mid-matching systems and that's not the case at all it's it's one of those things where put it in context of, of where you when and where you should be using it use it for the purpose you should be using it and you know get the solutions that's right for your company and i think if you've got questions about that shoot us an email say hey i'm looking at these two systems what do you think uh we'll probably have a handful of questions about where you're at and your process and those kind of things but we'll make recommendations for you we know all the good players and if we haven't heard of it there's a reason why we probably haven't heard of it yet so we, we know who all the good players are there's there's literally way too many to list on here because everybody jumped on that bandwagon years and years ago um and there's a lot of good players in the market and um we can definitely help you sort out that. So so if, if you've been on this for both episodes, thanks for sticking with us. I know the, these go way over on time compared to what we normally do. We just wanted to kind of close out this 50th episode uh, you know, series here with some really good questions that people are always asking. And I, I think we came up with with the top ones. I think we hit every one. Don't you think? I mean,
1: yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, to, uh, to see what kind of results we get on, on, on these two, uh, these two podcasts. Uh, And, and I, and I really hope that uh, for uh, all of our new listeners that it it really helps them. I, I hope that it, you know, I, I, one of the common uh, statements that I hear from folks. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll see people at conferences, and, and uh, Mike, you and I have laughed about it. Uh, the last couple of conferences, uh, people have walked up to me and said, "Hey, you're fa- you're that famous guy that we see in all the videos, and or we hear on on Game Changers." And I learned this, and I learned that, and and you kept me from making this big mistake. And so I really hope. That these two podcasts, for the newer companies that are just listening in, uh, and maybe just starting in the federal space, and even those companies that have been in the market for over a decade that are making some of these mistakes, hopefully this will help them move forward so yeah I'm, I'm really excited about these these uh, these two episodes
0: yeah well well said you know I mean that that's really why we started game changers was to help people get just even a couple of really good what we call game changing pieces of advice that would help you stop making mistakes (laughs) and help you start doing the right thing so 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 that's that's what we really hope you you get out of these and I think they're just packed with stuff that's why they're they're almost an hour each one so I I also want to take a minute to thank our listeners for joining us today on this episode as always uh, we wouldn't be where we are today without you listening to each one of these episodes I hope you enjoyed listening to this much as much as we enjoyed making it for you and uh, remember you can find every episode on iTunes just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode and last but not least please visit our sponsor for today's episode the federal access program at federal-access.com forward slash join when you visit the site today you'll learn how you can get a free copy of the government sales manual with your membership and then be sure to tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts
1: thanks for listening to game changers for
0: Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.